Hello everyone, welcome to What is Covenants, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling and Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. Word, Carolyn. <laughs> they used to say that. I, I was going to say, are you trying to be cool? <laughs> trying to be kind of like foolish, I guess. Uh, I was foolish last podcast because I started with, welcome to Word. Carolyn, I bet you have a nice house. You can go to realtor.com and find out. <laughs> did you, you sell your how, house? I was going to say, but it's, but it's not yours anymore. Did you sell it? We're under contract, so, you know, <laughs> we're we're working our way that way. But you it, had a nice house. Yes. Yes. I did. I did. And it had a porch. Yes. Do you like porches? I learned to like porches. You didn't like porches. I didn't have a porch. I lived in the village. And, really? You know, we didn't have that. We just, uh, well, we kind of, you know, had a little stoop-like thing. and But, uh, no, I didn't really ever enjoy, especially a porch swing. I didn't ever really have that. So when I moved there, I enjoyed, and I'm so grateful that we made our porch bigger than what our house plans called for. We pushed it out like two feet. So my kids were able to ride tricycles and just all of the things on my front porch. So it, it was a blessing. Well, porches are great then for a lot of things. Right, exactly. <laughs> we have a porch in our house as well. But porches for me are really nice because people don't want to come directly into the house when you have a porch. Right. <laughs> you can kind of buffer it a bit and they can kind of stay out there a bit. And then if you do decide to let them in, mm-hmm. you know, they can come on in and then they can kind of make themselves comfortable within the house and all that stuff that goes with it. But I think porches are really, really, really kind of nice. And I think most people enjoy them. Oh, my husband, that was the criteria for our next house. Or if we build, it, he has very few requests, but it has to have a porch. And I have found that we congregate on our porch. You know, it, yesterday when it's nice weather, after we ate dinner, I said, do you want to go out on the porch? That's what we do. We go out on the porch and... You know, our cat comes out and we see him and Tim's on the swing and it's just nice to sit and look at another hillside, (laughs) just look at the countryside and hear all the animals. I went out Saturday morning and all the birds and it's just, it's really nice. So as much as we think porches are great, God must like porches or at least the concept of porches. True. Was that a good segue? Oh, there you go. (laughs) The template of porch, because, right? Because I've been thinking about such things as porches, porches. and outer <laughs> and inner courts. And, of course, as the King James might put it, the Holy of Holies. And with that, tried to understand exactly all that it looked like, mm-hmm. um, I guess, the design. Yeah. Um, the way it was all laid out. And to some extent, I think I've got it right. Although... Solomon's house probably, I think, had a porch, or at least from which he judged. But that wasn't necessarily the temple that he judged from. But I don't know if the temple itself had, do you know? You look like you know. Well, I was just, <laughs> yes, let me give you the <laughs> specifications. You're designing there. The um, No, I, I'm just, you know, I've told you before I'm a visual person, so I'm the one that like looked at the pictures in my Bible and was like, oh, that's what the porch looked like. So the temple had porches, multiple porches, right? Am I 
Am I just dreaming that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was port- the outer, like you said, there's the outer courts and the inner courts. But there was a there's a porch I think on the inner court, not exactly where he judged from, like the inner, you know, or even when we're talking about like the holy of holies. But I think there is a porch. Did they call it a portico? Am I? Dreaming that up. <laughs> I don't know. I would not know the difference between a portico or a porch. I can tell our podcast listeners slash viewer <laughs> now that we're gone Facebook Live yes, and yes. we'll be recorded visually right. as much as it has been just the podcast. Uh I could tell them where to go, at least some of the passages of Scripture. First Kings, I think, 6 talks go. about the earthly temple. Uh, Ezekiel 10 talks about the heavenly. There's Exodus 25 where Moses, and, and I did do some research, but again, there's just a lot of this stuff that with word, with, <laughs> go back to word, with the Bible. It's covenants. <laughs> yes, but going back to the Bible, you don't always have that visual. And you're right, I, you know, the, um, my Bible, Thompson's Chain Reference, has all these appendix, yeah. appendices, yes. is it appendices, is that what they call it? Yes. Okay, you're the librarian. Yeah. The appendices in the back, or mm-hmm. you could kind of see the visuals, and I right. think I remember that, but when I'm reading it, it gets confusing, yeah. and maybe I'm not such the good visual person that I should be, and even with Solomon, I can't always tell where he's speaking from. I know that, that certainly he judged the people. I'm not sure that was exactly for the temple, but it might have been. From the temple? Doesn't look like you know. Well, I'm thinking of when he judged the two mothers, which one of them was not a true mother. (laughs) And uh, there's never a dull moment here, people. (laughs) Uh, The two, you remember the baby, and then, you know, the baby was going to die, and then he made the very wise ruling about, you know, we'll cut the baby in half, and then, you know, the real mom was like, no, save the baby. I'm thinking that he ruled, he did that, but I don't think it was from a porch. <laughs> it seemed like that was more like they went to his, what do you call that, chambers? I don't know. Well, yeah, Solomon had a house, just yeah. like David had a house. And, of course, David had a house, and then he decided to build a house for God, which I do know that. Right. And then they're in the temple. Right was constructed in Jerusalem, and Solomon was the one that constructed the temple. I, I just can't remember it. if he had a porch or not, and and probably it's not really even I'm relevant. Sure the temple had a porch, but I don't know about where he ruled yeah, from. I, yes, there we go. And maybe he did it for both. And maybe there's a Bible scholar out there that would care to send us that via email one day, and that way we'll know for sure. Did he have a porch swing? But what I want to capture, though, is that in that same sort of a way, the outer chamber as well as the inner court Mm -hmm. were kind of reserved for guests, for people coming in. You know, the temple is the house of the Lord, but it's not for just the Hebrew people, for all peoples. But the idea, though, is that you just don't get to go in, and especially you don't get to go into the innermost sanctum or the Holy of Holies right. without passing through. And I suspect that we still do some of that when it comes to our own homes because that's what the function of the porch was. Mm-hmm. You knew who was coming. You knew whether or not they were worthy to come into the temple or whether or not you were going to allow them in. And even should you allow them in, which doesn't mean I don't guess anybody's really disqualified from coming into the temple or even into my house. 
But once they're in your house, for them to really get to that innermost sanctum, and I do think our houses have innermost sanctums. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's the bedroom. <laughs> I don't know. When I grew up, my bedroom was my personal space in my house. Now that I'm married, or as I've been married, that's always been the most intimate, personal space in my house. Not everybody gets to come in and see my bedroom. We don't want everybody to come in and see our son's bedroom, necessarily. Or how about the kids right. at your house? Right. But it's kind of got the same principle. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm thinking about how you can determine the intimacy of the person in your house by the level of how many rooms they get to see. Yeah, to give them permission. Because I have a friend that I remember kind of taking around like on a tour and as you know, my husband and kids kind of rolled their eyes and laughed at me. To me, I wanted her to see everything because she was very close to me and that and maybe a, that is, I think that is. It's not a depiction maybe. of our... No, I think that's very worthy of moment. noting because it, it kind of goes along with at least what I had some thought of uh, in terms of taking the, the program today. Mm -hmm. Because it is that. You just really don't get to go in there until you have a relationship. Mm -hmm. And then as you have a relationship, a lot of rooms are opened unto you. A lot of seals are broken. A lot of revelation takes place. Mm -hmm. And you begin to understand and know the individual and of course that suggests not only uh, knowing the individual trust intimacy all those things and I think that's also part of once again what I thought we'd get into today but this notion that that the holy of holies you could only get in there if you're sanctified and maybe that's what you're saying. You have to kind of pass through these stages, maybe in terms of relationship, uh, to really see all of the house or to see all aspects or have somebody move in with you. I mean, I'm probably not inclined just to give my room up to a stranger. I've heard stories about that. Some turn out well. A lot of them don't turn out well, that kind of a thing. And so I'm not sure I'd even do that. But it is an interesting proposition when you begin to see the, the multiple layers of all this because we're talking about a physical sort of place with houses. Uh, I guess in terms of even the body, the Apostle Paul speaks to the body as a temple and this notion that somehow we're not only the temple, the habitation, a living, breathing sort of habitation, but God dwells in us in the same way that we might consider it to be a house. I might even interact with you or know the world around me in that same dimension as you apply it to personal aspects or more the individual rather than the home or the house that that represents or we represent, kind of put on, we project onto our house, we design it, we decorate it, we, it's got our personality all over it. You know, it's an inanimate object, we make it an extension of ourselves. But this idea, though, that I think there's something really, really important about that. Because if we begin to consider it that way, you're probably not going to get to the Holy of Holies, <laughs> either in the temple, you're not going to get to my bedroom and my house, you're probably not going to get to that innermost part of a human being unless you begin to appreciate. You have to kind of go through certain stages mm -hmm. to get there. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's familiarity. I'd like to believe there has to be at least some degree of agreement. You know, when you got into 
via the porch <laughs> into the outer inner courts within the temple. There was all kinds of things there about the Hebrew people, which is also, I don't know if I'm doing it well, but it's kind of capturing that same personal dimension. In there was the lampstand. In there stands. In there was the shoe brand. In there was all the things that otherwise God had given unto them as part of their relationship with Him that really meant something to them. And all of it had significance and purpose. And with that, I think, more than just kind of showing who they were, or a little bit more the rooms in the house, as you're, you were saying earlier, but you get a pretty good idea of the people. You get a pretty good idea of what they believe. You know, how they live, how they conduct their life. But I think you can say the same thing again about us, right? That's the, the same kind of way. I don't know that we all have a porch, but we all have an exterior. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we decorate it and dress it up. And then you might get to know a little bit about us internally as you get to know the person, as a relationship builds. Uh, but it takes a little while, unless you're just some element of brokenness that just like pushes you there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like uh, I was listening to the radio coming over this morning to do uh, the podcast and there's this commercial. And it's uh, not funny, but, you know, they didn't do it very well and you could tell it was contrived. But the messaging is very serious. There's a knock on the door. The lady comes to the door off the phone with her daughter who's called up and said, did so-and-so make it to the house okay? And it's a police officer telling the mom, the woman who comes to the door, which is the mom, that her son was killed in an automobile accident because he didn't wear a seatbelt. Which I understand, the seatbelt part. I mean, it's a good message. It'd be a tragedy either way, right? Whatever the cause of it. But, you know, in that kind of a moment, all the defenses are God. You know, you have a porch. You have an inner, outer inner court kind of thing in your house. Mm -hmm. But most of the time when that happens, there is no defense. It's like when the walls of the city come down. Mm -hmm. You know, during a siege, as with the scripture, the Old Testament particularly. It's just like that. It's funny that you bring this up about porches and inner and outer courts, because I use rooms and the idea of a house. I use that a lot, and I don't know if you're aware of that or not. I, I really like that concept, and I use it a lot, because I feel like people can relate to it. Not only that, but... There's some truth to that. There's truth that we um, have places that we're willing to let people in. And then I liken it to how much are we willing to let God into certain rooms and why not or why do we want to shut that door. And um, I was first introduced to that concept in a song called Mansion by the Christian rapper N.F. And it's a great song, but he talks about like different rooms in this mansion that he has. And it just really made me think, and I've just been kind of, I don't know, drawn to that idea of um, houses and rooms and, and porches and, and what we allow in and um, what we allow God in. And I, I just, I find it fascinating that we're, <laughs> that we're willing to let people, that we will bear ourselves and become vulnerable for humans, but yet the God of the universe, the God that we're trusting our eternity with, 
that we won't let him in certain rooms. Well, we think we don't. <laughs> and, and I right, thank you. Right, exactly. No, no thank you. Yes. That was a great segue no, too. You're, you're Cuz exactly we think right. we don't, but yeah. that's really He's already there. He's already seen it all. And He's that's really been in that room. That's really the point of the podcast yeah. is mm-hmm. that I'm not sure, you know, we look at it from the outside in, but we need to begin to understand it's always been from the inside out and all yeah. these things that are outward representations are really representations of what's taken place within us. Mm-hmm. We just have to discover them. Why? Because right. we awareness. get to that place. Yes, that mm-hmm. place of awareness. Yes. We get to that place where our brains operationally in a physical dimension come online and we begin to think about things. You know, and, and when you're a kid, you don't think about things because you can't because your brain isn't online. It hasn't developed, matured, all that. That brings with it awareness of who we are. Even that differentiation of ourselves from other people doesn't happen until somewhere a little bit longer in life. I mean, some se- speculate, I think Piaget thought it was like in six, five, six, seven. I'm probably not as inclined to believe it that early. I think that kind of goes along more with the age of accountability, but maybe it does. You know, object relations kind of uh, conversation or that abstract thought comes online and all of a sudden you realize you're not the world and the world's not you. There's a division and that's important because unless you understand that, then all the stuff that's going on in the world will become you and you will have a very difficult time separating yourself from the world if it's not good. I mean, there's a, a lot of, like letting who do you want to allow into your house? That's part of that too. Once I figured out there's me and them, mm-hmm. I have to be careful. Because right. what that means is the them became them because they weren't me, but usually it's because they've hurt me in some sort of manner or way. Mm-hmm. And maybe that gets back to your point. That's why I think we think we can keep God out just like we right. can keep other people out. But the reality of it is when the walls do come down. And they will. And they will. You can't. But maybe that's not bad if what that means is is that when the walls come down, we begin to really understand the construction. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, again, porches. I like their purpose. You know, we talked maybe too much about that already in the podcast. But I like their purpose. I like it that they're out there. I like it that they just can't come me. I like my house. I like decorating my house. I like putting my artifacts around, mm-hmm. right? The, all the things that pictures and all the things that mean something to me. But if you really want to get to know me, you got to find my innermost sanctum. And usually that's the bedroom. <laughs> in the bedroom, I'm not going to let you in. That's where I sleep. That's where I'm most vulnerable. That's where I can be hurt the most. But I'm not going to let you in unless I can trust you. But we fail to realize God's already in. And then all of this is a matter of, and I do think it's purposeful. Possibly even God gave this to us for the sake of protecting us in our vulnerability trying to preserve what innocence we still might have by trying to kind of wall off the devil. You know, Adam and Eve, if they could have kept the snake out, you know, whether it was them or the garden, right. wouldn't it have been better? But they couldn't. You can't keep it all out. And again, there's going to be some that in a tragic moment or traumatic moment, they're mm-hmm. going to have access and, you know, like a thief in the night, mm-hmm. Jesus said, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the idea is he's going to come or that can happen in such a manner that you can't protect yourself. That's just the way it is. But I do think we need to appreciate that because we get all confused along the way. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we build up those walls and we make those separate rooms. But like you said, when the thing happens, and it will, you know, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take courage, I've overcome that. So when the walls come down and we're vulnerable, he's already been there, whether we saw him or not. And he is there with us. He's the I am. So when we become, like you said, when we're, <laughs> when somebody comes in and wakes you up in the middle of the night and, and scares you to death, you know, he's already there. He's already with you in that. And that's, we should find comfort in that. But us as believers can, but when you're trying to explain that to somebody that maybe is not a believer or not there yet, that can be frightening, right? And so that's why they're scared, and that's why the walls go up. And, and again, it goes up for good reason. Right. It's adaptive in human material dimension right. to keep certain people out, but it's right. never adaptive to try to wall God out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because God is you, and as you said, I am the great I am, but I am the great I am. And it can work both ways. God says that to us, and then we can say that to God. Mm-hmm. And would that not be, again, the innocence of a child? Mm-hmm. I am with my environment and world. However, we all know, again, the tragedy of that. You know, the policeman's going to knock on your door and tell you your kids died in an automobile accident. That happens. It's a horrible thought, right? It's not as cheesy as it was on the radio when I say it that way because we can understand the significance of that. But we also can understand the significance of that because we've all had a moment like that. And in that moment, you begin to realize there is nothing that you can do to protect yourself Except to realize that all of this with outer court, inner court, the porch, even the holy of holies Mm -hmm. is really a false representation. It's a construction of our own human dimension Mm -hmm. so that we don't feel so scared. Mm -hmm. Because we need structure. We need to feel safe. And when you're a child, you don't understand all of these things. I mean, I'm talking already, most of the podcasts are inclined, the programs now are inclined to be very abstract. People, some people hate it. They hate us for that. Because it's too abstract. I try to make talking points. I try to bring it. I think the Holy Spirit does. It's sort of like a parable. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to chase it down too finely. You know, even that whole thing about the porch. You know, well, I don't want to be wrong on that. I don't want to disappoint all our listeners. I think this had that happen. And that's why we're double clutching on that. At least I am this morning. But I'm going to put that on the sideburn. The idea, though, is, is that its life is not abstract. It doesn't have definition. In a human regard. And God begins to give us definition from the very beginning of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. That's what that's all about. That doesn't change God. But why should we be surprised if as we go down that path of our development, we begin to put all this together. We're no longer children. You know, when I was a child, I put away childish things. Now we become an adult or see an adult dimensions, which includes this kind of abstract thought. All of a sudden, now we can begin to realize, which we couldn't then because it was too scary. Still a little scary. That's why all those people don't like us. Still a little scary, but listen, it's a better place to be if it brings you back to not only the innocence of childhood, but you begin to understand. Mm Mm-hmm. Where God really is. 
And what God really is. And that you've never been separated from Him. You have never, ever, ever been separated from Him. That is the trick of the devil manipulating what God gave us for the sake of our security in a human dimension to get by and get through. He just twists it. Mm -hmm. He manipulates it. He feeds off of our natural human reactions of fear, apprehension. Kind of emotional thinking stuff. Mm-hmm. Selfishness. Well, it's selfish, but you're right. It's selfish. And you and I could look at that as a mature, hopefully, mature adult or Christian and say, I don't want that. But selfishness is survival. Survival is yeah. selfishness in a physical dimension. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't want us to go get killed by cars. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want us to kill one another. I mean, that's not on, in the books, I don't think. Right. You know, we're going to die. But he doesn't want it to be at our own hands, and he certainly doesn't want us to be afraid of one another. Right. You know, so we wouldn't have to build walls. We wouldn't have to build houses. We wouldn't have to build porches. We wouldn't have to have innermost sanctums. But the notion of it is that's the way, unfortunately, the devil works because not everybody grows up and matures. Mm -hmm. Not everybody reads the word. Not everybody begins to understand God's word is inclined to take us through the stages of human development so that we can get to a point where we can say, I'm really glad that I don't have to worry about all this stuff. But it takes a while, and not everybody goes across that sort of course in the same element of timing. Remember I said Piaget thought it was six or seven? Yeah. Of course, he was studying his own kids. Maybe his kids are a whole lot brighter than me, or my kids, or your kids. Well, your kids <laughs> might have already gotten there. Most of us don't hit it, I think, until we're That's you know an adolescent age mm-hmm. of accountability, mm-hmm. etc. I think you. I, I like the age of accountability idea for that you realize there's a... <laughs> lack of a better term, like us and them, there's, there's a choice to be made and it becomes an eternal thing. And and the awareness comes as a child, you can see things as a child and there's safety and there's security. And there's, I, I pictured that fence, you know, the safety, you can send a child out in the fence and play and they, you know, they feel safe, but then they realize there's things outside the fence that can harm me. There's things outside the fence that can come in my fence and harm me. And so, you know, when that awareness comes, I think you're right. I think it's about that age. And that's what, the, again, the devil uses to destroy us, or at least trick us, and can, and really only can destroy is stop people from, in their fear, mm-hmm. from searching, going further, allowing the development to continue, to be so afraid that they don't think about or they don't want to think about or they deny or they disassociate or disconnect in such the way. But the God in his <laughs> incredible, I don't know, it's not even, it's a mind. We call it the mind of God, but it's really not his mind. He just did it. I mean, it's just the way God is. I mean, calling it his mind kind of almost in my opinion, to me, sounds like I'm taken away from it. But I'm really not. But that age of accountability is the first step, though, to salvation. Mm-hmm. It's right. a blessing. It's the yin-yang kind of thing that some mm-hmm. people want to go that direction with it. And, and I think you do need to differentiate and know right from wrong, which is why we hunker down on the point of you can't be dismissive of the Old Testament. It's part of, but don't be an adult or don't think you're an adult or you've gotten there. And then when your kids are growing up, don't teach them, don't get into trouble, the difficulty, the peril of not teaching them right from wrong. They're not adults. 
They don't have the capacity. They have not gotten to the age of accountability. Realizing, one, they're separate from you. And secondly, in their discovery of being separate from you, what is right to go to and what is wrong to go to so that they can claim it, own it for themselves so that they won't get so far out there in so much trouble doing so much the wrong thing that you can't save them and sometimes even as much they won't let God, I said it the right way, they will not allow God to save them because they're just bound to that fear, that way of doing things. Maybe their conscience has been seared. They're turned over to a reprobate mind. They've rejected the message. They don't want to go to this other place. Mm -hmm. But before we go there, because we're going to try to get there, Carolyn. Okay. I want to remind our, I want to say listeners, our program <laughs> attendants, our go. viewers and listeners. <laughs> They are enjoying. Yes, hopefully. For lack of a better way of describing it. What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Christian Counseling Services, Pastoral Care Christian Counseling Ministry with Karen Barnett, Dave Clay? So, where is there? It's the innermost sanctum, it's the bedroom, it's the Holy of Holies, mm -hmm. it's where the Ark of the Covenant, not said that, the mercy seat's there. It's not a building, we've said that. It's more your heart. I've got some passages. Maybe we'll get to it that just kind of solidifies that or backs that up, that thought up. But where is it? And I'm going to go to a place that we talked about last week and uh, not on the podcast, just in conversation okay. that you said you were very interested in. Okay. Do you remember it? No. We talk about so I remember yesterday. <laughs> we talked about so many high-minded things. The third heaven. Let's go to the third heaven. Ah. Hmm. Okay. Yes, this is a quite a topic because I've had people ask about that. Where is it? And does it even exist? So enlighten us, oh wise one. <laughs> well, I thought you already had the answer because you thought about it. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I forgot. I was supposed to study about that. Um. <laughs> well, you told me, though, that it was of interest to you that some people have brought that up. The third heaven is an interesting proposition. I don't know where it is. I don't even know if Solomon had a porch. <laughs> oh, I'm so confused now. I'd be afraid to, to, uh, to be committed to anything at the moment. I don't know where the third heaven is. Mm -hmm. I don't. But, or in tangible measure, tell you about that. Mm -hmm. But I can say this. I can speculate on what I think that is. The Apostle Paul really doesn't give us much when it comes to that. And you're, again, at great disadvantage because you your phone is being used to do... Yes, I was curious. I thought, what scripture is... The live. Is that that talks about the third heaven? Second Corinthians. Let me okay. find it. 12, there it is. And it is with verse 1. It's not expedient. It is not expedient for me. Doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. It's a very important sentence because it's got everything that we're talking about. Abstract thought, revelations of the Lord. To be doubtless for me, doubtless to glory, not in myself. Okay. Not of my human construction. Right. 
not of my need to construct things in terms of houses or see people as us and them and all that stuff. It's part of human development, but that's not what we want to celebrate the most. Mm -hmm. What we want to celebrate the most is I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord, which tells me what he's about to tell me or tell us is, in context of third heaven, more about the vision and revelation of the Lord than it is about Dave Clay's vision and revelation, right. construction, construct of what the right. world is, what it should be, how it should operate. Our ideas. Yes. Versus God. Outside ideas. of the Old Testament. Okay. Right? Because that's what I want my worldview to be. There's enough room, again, porches, <laughs> to have disagreements on, because it's confusing. Right. But, you know, give me a visual. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a lot of people. And in that, God gave that revelation, the word, the anointed word of who he was in the Old Testament to a lot of different persons. Mm -hmm. And they brought their personality and their personage to it. Right. So it's a bit distorted. Right. But it's all of the Holy Spirit's construction. Here we go. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Okay. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. So here we go. That's what okay. we've been saying the yeah. whole podcast. All this that we've been kind of going over, maybe concretely, more abstractly, about human construction, buildings, the way we, it's all body. Well, even Paul doesn't really know at this point. And what he, I think, is speaking to is, and I don't know that he knows where the third heaven is. What he's speaking to, though, is this is probably more vision and revelation of the Lord, right. which is, yeah, it's kind of like a mind thing. That's why I was trying to say earlier I felt really kind of bad about even saying it's a mind of God because it's more than that. Mm -hmm. It's not because mind is my construction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I'm going to finish, hopefully, the podcast with today. We want to do the same thing with our mind and our human operations, and it gets equally confusing. I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. Again, he just wants to give that disclaimer. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Right. I'm not sure. Right. It's going to be an abstract concept. Mm -hmm. It's an abstract thought. But I am sure of this. If you trust that God's been there all along, you already know it. You've just lost it along the way. Mm -hmm. You probably would recognize it if you were a bit more innocent and weren't so corrupted by all the hurts and the harms of the world. If you had not gone through that age of accountability, that abstract thought, the ability to kind of differentiate self from other people, you would have possibly never have gotten to the point of seeing it as an us and them sort of proposition. And you would not have separated God from yourself. And in some ways... It's that whole thing about good and evil. I'm not saying that's bad because we've just got through saying the first half of the program today, that's necessary. We have to know good from evil. Right. Don't risk not teaching your kids good from evil. But in the end, you go back to what you began with, which is all of this stuff of third heaven. Mm -hmm. It has to be abstract because there's no way to describe it. There's no definition. You know, they could put 
whatever, when they're describing the temple in, the, in those passages I mentioned earlier, they talk about cubits and they talk about gold. And, you know, and again, it's a great representation. Give me a picture? No, I would not even get it with a picture. Mm -hmm. There's no way I'd understand it. And I think that's why Paul, and why it's so mysterious, mm -hmm. and why people, I call them flatliners, people who don't want to get into the revelation or the vision and reliance it totally and completely upon right. the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. They want to kind of stick concrete. their toe. Yeah, they want they're concrete. They want to stick their toe in, but they don't want to get in the water. The old analogy. They really have a tough time with mm -hmm. concepts like this mm -hmm. because it moves them out of their comfort zone, but it also holds them back from understanding the full glory of the Lord. Am I going on too much? No, I'm just thinking that's so Paul compared to Saul. He was all that yes! what you just said. And on now the road to Damascus, yeah. tragic situation, mm -hmm. blind, infirmity of the flesh. This passage speaks of that too. Mm -hmm. So you're right. That's all there. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words. Which means maybe they were thoughts, but maybe they're more than thoughts. But we have to capture them with thoughts. But he couldn't talk about it because he couldn't put words on it. Mm. I can't talk about paradise because I can't put words on it. If right. I try to put words on it, right. it's like saying the mind of God. It lessens it. Right. You know, I can put the mind of Christ, and that lessens it because that's not even what it is. Mm. It's the third heaven. It's paradise in that sense of an ultimate. Mm -hmm. I know people see paradise. We get into this. Where is paradise? Well, paradise is heaven? No, it's really not heaven. It's an in-between. It's like purgatory. What is, I mean, and I'm not saying that those aren't useful discussions. I'm just saying even as you read the Bible, you see humankind coming to a third heaven mm -hmm. kind of perspective. Why would we not manifest that in human development? Why would we not come to the same revelation that the book of Revelation brings us to? It's a new Jerusalem, which is not bound by earthly sort of dimension. It, you have to describe it. John had to describe it. Right. But it comes down from heaven. It is not of the earth. He couldn't unsee it, as he, they say. Because he couldn't. If he didn't see something that God used to capture some of that glory, right. he couldn't have seen it at all. But he had to see it, mm -hmm. and the corruption was he had to live in the material life, which required him to put such definitions on things. Right. And then for him to really understand mm -hmm. what it's all about, he had to take all the definitions off. Mm -hmm. They had to be removed. Again, we commented in the, on the program previously about all the seals broken. I think I mentioned that mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. The doors are open to your house. God's house doesn't have rooms, but we wander through it. You know, almost like, like we need to know where the hallway is, mm -hmm. or we need to know where the bedroom is, because so we, we can feel more comfortable with yes, concrete. Yes, and we can compartmentalize it that right. way. Right. Because if I said this is so overwhelming, it's what we used to call mind blowing. Yeah. God can't be can't be. I want to say confined. He can't be. Put into boxes and hallways and rooms. So finish that scripture. I want to hear the end. <laughs> yes. And, of course, I use the word paradise because it's in this passage. Versus heaven. But Paul does both. He said third heaven and paradise. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're one. 
<laughs> Maybe all the people who really spend a lot of time compartmentalizing and defining things, not that it's not useful, but maybe in the end they just have to admit, well, we've already admitted, we're fools. We don't know it all. We're only foolish in a human sense. Mm -hmm. In the most important way, we've got the answer, but that allows me to always remember the answer's not me if I describe right. it that way. <laughs> and I knew such a man how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Why? Because it's a mind blower. You would never get anybody to follow. People don't listen to our podcast because they give up on it, our program, because it's too hard to follow. What are you talking about? Where are you taking it? People don't do counseling because of that same principle. They can't believe that I'm not going to tell them what to do. They can't believe that my definition, as much as it is, I think, word-based, Old Testament, New Testament-based, mm -hmm. it's still not what God wants for them. And what God wants for them is unique to them. Right. Their course, only God knows the course. Right. But at the same time, if I begin to put definitions on it, mm -hmm. it gets back to that first thing Paul said. I will not, it is not expedient to, for me, doubtless, to glory. I can't glory in that. Mm -hmm. Neither are they going to be able to glory in that. might feel good about, well, at least I got a clue as to the next right. thing to do. Right. But in the end, it's all a journey. It's yeah. And it's developmental not only in terms of human physiology, psychology, relationship dynamic, our capability of relationship and relating properly to one another, which is what we're talking about, mm -hmm. including our relationship with God. But if you do this properly, you enter in through the porch, go through the outer and inner courts, and you get to the Holy of Holies. That course is the same. You might say, well, it's a parallel course, and I'll accept that. I think it's one and the same. It's just different ways of looking at it, mm -hmm. probably driven by different points of maturity, probably driven, di driven by different points of development. Right. Psychologically, emotionally, starting with the body, mm -hmm. which is the least moving through the relationship dimensions with God and one another to the point of unconditional love. It's the eros, philia, and agape love sort of concept that the Greeks had. Mm -hmm. You know, eros is just that physical sort of gratification. Right. You get friendship going, it's a lot different. But to get to friendship, you have to get past just the self Right. survival, mm -hmm. but if you do it for me, I do it for you enough, I can trust you, mm -hmm. then we can start to really see how love begins to mm -hmm. form and emerge. And that's all within, again, human construct. That's not necessary when it comes to God, because God loves us from the beginning to the end. Right. God's there from the beginning to the end. We drive Him out. Instead of Him driving us out of the garden, mm -hmm. we drive Him away from us. Mm -hmm. I know the Bible says that He had, but that's the same thing that I'm getting to here. It's not lawful for a man to utter because it blows a lot of people's mind and the people who are just getting started, <laughs> they're alienated. Mm -hmm. I don't know what in the world you're talking about. Mm -hmm. That's all craziest to me. Let me go do the things that I know. Right. That I'm secure in. Am I talking too much? I feel like I am. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about how we use our Christianese around new believers and then they just get turned off by it because... They don't, they don't understand it, and then it just it's a turn-off. They don't want to hear it. And, and that's why, again, if I can say I'm a fool, which I believe I am in human regards, because compare what I know, 
what I'm even capable of, why do I want to expend any more energy than is necessary to give it all to God? Mm -hmm. I mean, to acknowledge that and say, well, God, you know. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't mean he wants me to be stupid or foolish. Right, right. But he doesn't expect me to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He just expects me to know who he is and what it's like to get into this third heaven so I can see all the answers. Mm -hmm. And maybe the answers that I have are always just going to be like really thin ice. Get on thin ice. Could be all right as long as they're all framed within the context of God. If I do them out of the right motive and spirit and he's revealed himself and he's been part of the construction in my human regard, if I've done that properly, then they're all sanctified. Like trusting him no matter what it looks like. Yes. We don't have to know what it's going to look like. And trusting that insidiously, he's got this in me from the beginning. I can't lay claim to any of it because I didn't know it enough until the end of it to see it from that vantage point. It's easy. I can look back in the rearview mirror and I can see all this stuff. But when I'm going through it, I can't see it for what it is. But God's thankfully already put it in me physically, Mm -hmm. psychologically, emotionally, relationship-wise, society, culture, building houses, civilization, cities. He's put it in me until I think I'm better than he is or I forget how foolish I am and he needs to show me. Right. (laughs) And he will. Yeah. I've been a fool, Carolyn, so, so, so many times. And I'm just thankful it's between God and I. (laughs) Most of the time. I'll confess it sometimes. But it's painful. Well, I mean, that's part, that's part of the process, right? Yes. I mean, you have to go there. Of such and one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory. That's what I'm saying. But in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall be not, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seemeth, or he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And then he goes on and talks about, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, and it that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And we know that part, which is not me being anything, taking anything away from that part. Right. Right? Because but we know that part. Mm-hmm. But we don't know about the third heaven. But maybe the third heaven is the closure. Maybe the third heaven is the spiritual. Maybe the third heaven is the holy of holy. Maybe the third heaven is the mercy seat. Maybe the third heaven is where the cherubim touch wings. And there we find forgiveness and grace and mercy for what? For our vain imaginings. For our glorying in ourselves. For our thinking that we have to come up with an answer or if we do, as with material demand, there's going to be an occasion we have to make a decision and choice. Let the decision be a simple one. Turn it over to God. Allow Him to lead you and guide you. Because if you don't, you're going to be in a lesser heaven. You're not going to experience the fullness of the paradise. And shall say one other thing for the sake of not missing an opportunity since time is of some concern. 
Paul, many believe, died. He was stoned. Paul, many believed, might have been referencing the stoning when he was speaking of the third heaven. Paul may have been speaking, as you pointed out, Saul to Paul, road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. Maybe that was enough, certainly came to Jesus. But I think Paul, in the trauma and the tragedy of that, and maybe that is what God does. God won't let the world destroy us because he's given us all these defenses, these barriers, the outer, the porch, the outer, the inner, the kids are holy of holies. You can screen the world out and should. Or at least allow them to show you, need to show you, where they are in terms of their maturity, mm-hmm. whether they're believers, non-believers, right. Christian, non-Christian. Uh, and the Bible tells us, watch out. You can be around them. You just can't have fellowship with them. Mm-hmm. Why? Not because we're better than them. They'll corrupt us with all that craziness. Hanging out with them, if, and it's a challenge to maintain that. But God gives us his defense. He gives us, all t- he gives us his mind the, in the word mm-hmm. as a protective element. Right. He gives us in Jesus as a visual. As a, show me a picture. He gives us Jesus as a visual mm-hmm. and the mind of Christ. He gives us his Holy Spirit or restores unto us, which again was there all along from the beginning to the end. He's always been there. It's just right. this is this big, huge elephant in the room has got in the way. But in that trauma and the tragedy, you disassociate. You disconnect. Why? Because you could not live in the excruciating pain of your humanity as it dies. Now again, it could be stoning. It could be the cop knocking on the door. It's cheesier than that. Knocking on the door, telling you that your kids died automobile. It could be any moment from now. This next moment. It could happen. Mm-hmm. And death looks foreboding in that sense. Mm-hmm. Because it can be. And God didn't intend us to be born and then die immediately. Right. Right? But what God does in those moments, if we allow Him to, He reveals to us the third heaven. He shows us paradise in heaven. Talk to people who have come back from those experiences. Talk to people who maybe haven't died, but will tell you when they got to that point where they just let it all go, we would call it disassociation more in psychological dimensions, all of a sudden they discover there's a safe place. There's a mercy seat. Mm -hmm. There's a place where all the pain is removed. Mm-hmm. There's a place where I'm no longer subject to the human dimensions. There's a place when I lose it all, but I lose it all in Him. Right. He shows me the way. Mm-hmm. Not because He wants to destroy me, but He even allows there to be a Satan so that I don't jump ahead and think I got it all to my full foolishness and ignorance and then run a major amok. I said that earlier. You get so far out there, you turned over to a reprobate mind. Mm-hmm. You have to slow it down or we'll go out there and do crazy, crazy things. Mm-hmm. We're just doing crazy. Can't look at you like that because we're just doing crazy, crazy things. Mm-hmm. Glorying in ourself. That selfishness, as you say. That's what we'll do when left to ourselves. That's the craziness 
But that, what you described just now about going out just sort of full, <laughs> full force believing, when you described that, I was like, I just see Jesus. It's just a beautiful place that I aspire to get to. That's, I mean, that's where I want to live. But I know we're in the constraints of this earthly world. But on the inside, spiritually, in my thoughts and desires in that way, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to stay. But Well, even with Jesus, there was the Mount of Transfiguration. There was the raising of Lazarus. And, and I'm not saying that was only for Jesus, but it was for the physical representation. Right. And it's to show us. Mm-hmm. Because we're all, again, Thomas. You know, we have to see it. We're empirical creatures. Mm-hmm. Experience validates the human dimension. Right. But if experience validates the human dimension, then let it validate the existence of the supernatural dimension. For when you go through something that otherwise either kills you or should kill you, as with trauma, and that really is the essential element of what we recognize clinically as trauma. Mm -hmm. People think it should have killed them. But don't be scared of it. One, if it didn't kill you, you didn't die. Right. You can learn a lot from it. Right. And to the extent or degree that it represents what our afterlife is going to be, even if you go through that, even if we call it disassociation from, again, the material perspective, Mm -hmm. the human mind, psychology, it really isn't. It's God. It's heaven. It's paradise. Mm -hmm. The veil's just been rent. Mm -hmm. It's a vision. It's a revelation. But go try tell somebody about that who doesn't know about Jesus. Right. Who doesn't even have an understanding of their need for Jesus or has not been brought to such the awareness. Who maybe gotten stuck mm-hmm. and hasn't really even completed the whole age of accountability thing. That's how immature they are mm-hmm. in physical sort of dimension, psychological, bodily dimension. And you're just going to scare them away. Right. They're not going to come around. That was the toughest thing I had to learn was this thing that Paul's talking about in counseling. I just want to show them the, the revelation. And there's still times that I misjudge a, an individual. They come in and they talk better than they really are. Mm-hmm. Or I think they're stronger or of greater faith mm-hmm. than what they are. And then I try to give them the full revelation and they don't come back. <laughs> well, you know. I'm not laughing at that, but it that's I mean that's how we are. You know, you you show me too much, I can't handle that. And so I'm gonna go home and think about that. Now through a glass darkly, <laughs> one day face to face. But it's in love, that's first Corinthians. It's all right. about the love thing. Right. But, but it's not that God's love is in stages, arrows, Philly, and Agape. It's we are. Right, right, right. And and God doesn't curse us for that. He just wants us to learn the lesson as quickly as possible. And maybe it's seven. We talked about that on previous programs. Maybe it's when you get to that age of accountability. I'm still learning that lesson. I am still learning the lesson personally about my relationship with God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And I'm still learning the lesson about fashioning my material relationships with others in that dimension. And when I am threatened and I am tired and I am worn out and I feel like it's going to be the end of me, (laughs) I am scared and still want to get angry Mm -hmm. and push it away. Mm -hmm. But 
If you look at it that way... Like a little child. Yes. Yes. But if you look at it that way, God's saying all along, Oh, but remember, Dave, 14 years ago, you thought you were going to get killed then, or you thought you died then. Or remember on the road to Damascus? You thought that was going to be the end of you. And it wasn't, was it? And so as Paul presses on to the mark of the high calling, he presses on to the mark of the third heaven. But what is that? It's that ability to surpass the human operations. And with that, we could have gone in the direction of, well, there's emotional processing, there's cognitive processing, and then there's intuition. But that would have been all we could have said in a humanistic sort of sense. Right. Talking about physiology, psychological sort of development, there's stages of development, mm -hmm. it's Piaget, it's Erickson. We've mentioned those two theorists, the right. psychologists on the podcast before, the program before, so I'm not going to waste any more time today on that. But for all of our listeners who are really concrete, <laughs> they need that, I could talk that jargon. Mm -hmm. I know all that stuff. But if you want to understand it, right. get in the Word. And if you want to understand it, not only the Old Testament, which get in the Old Testament. Because you will not have a platform to put any of it on. You won't have the partitioning as with a computer. You won't have all that set up, operational the system. Foundation. Yes, to take it all in right. until you do that. Mm -hmm. But it will always lead you to the fear of death. But that's really what we're talking about. You'll have to overcome that. And God will show you in mercy of forgiveness. He will show you every day how something could have killed you. How you are more worthy in your corruption, human dimension, of death than you are life. Or that life is there. And sometimes we just give thanks that we survive materially, right? Physically. We should enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. That whole outer court, inner court thing. But what we really want to understand is... It's never a question of eternal life. It's a question of where you're going to spend eternal life. Right. It's a question of what you're going to do with that. But you can't do anything with that as much as the torment of hell, of what the devil's trickery is, of how he wants to confound it and confuse it, to, to get you to wander around the wilderness for 40 years. Don't right. spend your whole life wandering around looking for clouds by day and fire by night. It's not bad, but God wants to speak to you from some other dimension other than the sky. Right. He wants to speak to you from within. Mm -hmm. And He wants you to become like unto Him. Mm -hmm. Not only in intellect, mind, mm -hmm. our best conception of that, but He wants you to be restored so He can really have fun with you. Right. You can enjoy your life. That's when life really begins. We're just sort of walking around it, looking, would you say, from the outside in. And then when we come in the house, then we're really living it because we get to enjoy every room He has for us. We, we're not just on the porch. We get to come in, and we get to see all of it. And that's the beauty of it. And we don't have to be afraid. And when you do get Jesus, like you said earlier, it comes back to you. When you get Jesus, then the, vent, the, 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 the veil is rent. Mm -hmm. The shroud is lifted. The seal's broken. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you begin to realize, yeah, it's important stuff to get there, but it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. 
Because all that matters right now is this stuff's still going to come. I'm still going to process it in that manner. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to process it emotionally, psychologically. Right. I'm going right. to do that emotional thinking. I'm going to do the cognitive thinking. But I've now got the full assurance mm -hmm. that in the end, God's not only going to be with me in heaven. God's been with me all along. And should I understand that, hopefully a trauma won't have to bring you there. Right. Hopefully you don't have to go through the... But we all do. I think we all do. Mm -hmm. We all have those tragedies and traumas. Mm -hmm. You know, I can look at yours and feel sorry for you, and that's good. That's compassion. That's empathy. But the only way I'm going to have compassion and empathy is I've got to relate to something in me. Right. And if I say I've got nothing in me, then I call God a liar. Right? Right. <laughs> His word is not as First John yeah. chapter 1. Yeah. We want to live in the light. But this is the light. But when Jesus ascended into heaven... Even on the Mount of Transfiguration, he tried to show them the light. They didn't get it to the day of Pentecost. And what was going on the day of Pentecost? Trauma and tragedy. Their world had fallen completely apart. Why? Because they sold out to God in that innocence. Mm -hmm. It seemingly was so. That God had forsaken and abandoned them. At least right. to us. Right. But not to them. Because they were in one accord, they were agreeing, and it wasn't. Even at the Mount of Transfiguration, didn't some of them leave? I just read that, and I thought that... Only three got to go up, Peter, James, and John. And maybe it's because the others left, because they couldn't go up with them on the Mount of Transfiguration. There were some that, yes, I think that's, yeah, Peter, James, John... But there were some that had started up with them, and then they left. And I was thinking to myself, after everything you've seen, you know, not just in the garden when people left, but I mean, even to that point, and they still, you know, but unless I judge them, I've done the same thing. I've seen God do miracles, and then the next thing happens, and I'm, are you going to show up for me? Are you going to be there for me? And he has always been along, always. And why would I doubt now? But that's, that's where we come in at Covenants to remind you of those things, to encourage you and, well, and, and to is, help you see that. And this is the third heaven. Where we are right now, and whether Solomon judged from a porch in his house or maybe the porch in his house sometimes, maybe he judged from the temple porch, wherever he judged, it's not that judgment that saves you. It's important. Solomon was important. But... It's not that judgment, it's where we are now. And what we've done in the podcast, the program today, is we've laid aside all judgments. Mm -hmm. I do that quickly by calling myself a fool. Otherwise, it might take weeks, months, and years for me to get to the point where I'm humbled enough to say, I'm the most ignorant, the Pharisee among Pharisees. I'm the most ignorant, however, person in the world. I can have all the credentials, I can have all the knowledge, I can pursue. Even Solomon said that. Mm -hmm. The book of Ecclesiastes, right. it's all vanity, folks. Mm -hmm. But if I say that to someone who's weaker, someone who doesn't understand, right. they're going to give up. Right. And they're going to quit. Right. And then they're gonna, if they don't do that, they're going to get mad at me because I'm telling them they're going to all think it's cunningly devised fables. It's right. a lie. It's manipulation. Mm -hmm. Just keep me in power and keep them under my thumb and oppressed. Right. right. And I'm, I'm not about that. Yeah. 
Right. If anything, you can get mad at me. If anything, you can say bad things about me. But you'll never get mad at me, say things about me because I didn't tell you the truth. You can get mad at me and say bad things about me because you didn't want to hear the truth. Right. Or I may have been bumbling around like a bull in a china shop with it sometimes. And I've gotten better at that. Mm-hmm. But when I'm in a moment like this, the third heaven, mm-hmm. you know, I want to share that with you. Right. Absolutely. That's my biggest heart's desire. And I just, I ran into somebody yesterday and it just literally, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't want to say broke my heart, but I just, I felt so, I felt so bad for this person because they were without hope. It's one thing to be in a sad situation. It's one thing to be hurt and traumatized, but when you don't have hope, that's, that's pretty low, (laughs) you know, and and I even, you know, tried to encourage him on the way out the door. Just try, you know, it was at a store. He was a, a worker at a store. And even when I was leaving, I tried to encourage him. And and he just, you know, it didn't matter. It was just like he was so low that he couldn't see any light. And when I walked outside, I prayed for him. And I thought, you know, God, you, you're there. But help him to see that, you know. I can't help. I won't mention it. It's the Holy I know, Spirit. I know, you're trying to, I know you're trying to wrap up. I think about when you said God was always there. You know, I wanted to go away to college. I wanted to go and live this big life and, you know, I had all these ideas about what I thought I should be doing and I didn't. And then I met someone, fell in love, got married, not knowing that the thing inside of me (laughs) matched, and we're going to talk physiologically the thing inside of him to produce our son Ethan who has albinism you don't know what albinism is he's albino but when the doctor told me it couldn't just be you and anybody else it had to be you plus somebody else has the same thing the same gene I'm breaking it down really simple and so all along that's been meant to be all along and then we and then we adopted two girls with albinism so I, I just Sometimes I look back and I shake my head at how I wanted to fight and struggle against what God wanted me to do all the time. And if I had just sat back and trusted Him and, like you said, kind of not resisted the process and allowed that to happen, you know, I could have been in the third heaven a long time ago. But and, we but we resist that sometimes. And we do that every day, though, yeah. because I think as much as the third heaven would be the pressing onward to the mark of the high calling, the high calling is a daily walk with God. And fortunately, He doesn't measure us in chronological terms or developmental terms when it comes to maturity. He loves us and, and in His grace and mercy always gives us an opportunity to come to Him if you can again resolve that one most important of questions, mm-hmm. resolve it in the correct way, and that's to turn it all over to Him. Right. When you get confused and overwhelmed, right. when you try to find an answer, which you should, when you do the best to get the answer, the best answer that's available, then turn it over to God. And when you turn it over to God then he takes you into that place and he assures you. It's like when the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness. After it's over with, the angels came and ministered unto Christ. He'll minister unto you, but you go to this place. Right. But that's why I want to say this very quickly and then we do have to stop. That's why though, when... 
people come see us. God has sent them to us because He knows we're going to say these things. We might not say this exactly to everybody because not everybody's going to receive it. Right. They're not going to be there. But it's at least of some comfort would be to me to know, I realize, it's all about God. Yes. And if I have any power to help you, that's where it comes from. So, Carolyn, why don't you tell our listeners very, very quickly how to get a hold of us. You can give us a call, 304-528-9220. You can email us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com or go online, covenantsonline.com or check us out on Facebook under Covenants. So, <laughs> third heaven, porches. Uh, thank you, Carolyn, for being here. Thank you, listeners, viewers. For joining us on the program. Thank you, God, that you give us again this opportunity to do this wonderful thing for you. Mm-hmm. Just really emotionally ups, you know, causes me to feel humble before mm-hmm. more to say that. But if it is anointed, if it is of the word, then I want to invite them back. Right. And we're too. But what is Covenants? Specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. In the meantime, be blessed. <laughs>